as usual, we messed up. So, or, you know what? Rion messed up. This yeah. is not my fault. This is this is basically Rion's no, fault. There's no messing up. Whoa. No messing up. We got, we got it's, eager. We got a little <laughs> eager. There's nothing wrong with... With, uh, it's okay. You can talk about how you messed up. Failure is a part of life. It's all right. But yeah, we we decided we we're going to split this podcast into two. There's a lot of content that we wanted to get through, and it's a lot of important stuff. So we thought we'd make it easy on you guys. Split it up over two. Listen to it on the car ride to work. On the other one, car ride back from work or walk subway. However you get around. So we'll make it easier for you and uh, split it up into two podcasts. But we're going to pick right off, pick up right off where we left off. Is that a sentence? Is wow. That- I've never heard anyone <laughs> use off uh, three times in six words. That was almost impressive if it wasn't as sad. <laughs> All right. We're going to pick right up where we left off. That's what I meant. Yes, um, you know English. I, I can- I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, talking a little bit of city slash Real Madrid slash will they be in the Champions League even after this round? Like, who knows? Um, but yeah, let's start off with their UEFA ban. Um, a couple weeks ago, was it? It was a little over two a week ago, ago. Two weeks ago now. Um, so UEFA came out. So there had obviously been a, you know talks within UEFA about um, them being reprimanded for financial a breach of financial regulations, which is, I want to stress, different from financial fair play here. Um, it's slightly different. Um And so UEFA was investigating and found that essentially they had misreported funds um, is the, you know, the TLDR of the the breach of regulations. So UEFA banned them um, in a very, very heavy hand, um, iron fist like uh, from the Champions League for the next two years Um, or from all UEFA competitions, I should say, not just the Champions League, but of course, likely the Champions League. And so. Of course, City are going to appeal. Of course, there's going to be backlash. Um, But this is an enormous, enormous decision from UEFA, right? This... We've never seen anything like this from UEFA in terms of um, in terms of bans or reprimandation because the biggest thing we've seen are the transfer bans both of our respective clubs have have gotten and that was, that was from FIFA. That was from FIFA, yeah, and and that was big news already as is. So, what I mean, let's let's start off. What is do you think a the impact of this ban um, and b looking at the Real Madrid game? How do you think this affects them in that tie? Well, you, I mean, honestly, you can't undersell that, the impact of this for a team with so many players who expect to be playing in the Champions League every season. The potential impact, if the ban is upheld, and we have to note that City will be appealing, and we are going to hear before the before June, most likely, before the competitions, um, the qualifying rounds, the early, early qualifying rounds of next season's Champions League begins, we will know whether or not they will be in it because that's just, that just has to happen. Like, logistically, that has to happen, right? Um, but the impact, again, players... Um, now, Guardiola has come and said that he will be there next season no matter what, and I, I believe him. I believe him. There's a difference between if it's upheld to two years... If it's about two years, I think it would be very hard to, for some of the players to accept that and stay at the club. Um, I think the big thing from this is, though, well, actually a couple of things. 
one, you have to also note that City were investigated by UEFA on financial fair play, um, possible financial fair play breaches about three or four years ago, and were fined, right? So that, I think, is going to be really damning on them when the Court of Arbitration um, for Sport looks at this because it's a bit different if this is a first-time thing and and there are some um, grievances with how UEFA might have investigated them and, you know, they're going to argue on, like, minutia of that and we'll also see if they truly did um, fabricate the revenue numbers, right? Because if they did, then I don't see how they get around that, right? And it'll be even harder for them to win this arbitration because, you know, again, we can only go off of how I guess we know the legal system works here, right? If you have priors, it's going to be, that's just going to make your next sentence much worse. And I think that is the one thing where I'd be very worried if I was a Manchester City fan. The CEO of City can come out, the the players or or the higher the executive the executive the executives can come out and say all they want about how we're not worried, we're gonna beat this, there is no chance that we that um that this is upheld and all that stuff. But it's not in the their fa- hands. it's not in their hands and again you were investigated not four years ago for the same thing and given a fine for it. It's going to be really hard for um, any sort of law maker or whatever arbitration arbitration officers to look at this and be like, oh, well, you just made this mistake once or, or you know, whatever, right? It's, it's just going to make their argument a lot harder. Um, I think ultimately... Ultimately, I think they will end up getting a ban for a year. I, I think it'll get reduced. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'd be stunned if it was two years. But um, I think there's something to be said, too, that this is pretty much UEFA's last stand on whether any of this financial fair play stuff even matters, right? Because if they found that a team was blatantly going out of their way to circumvent these rules. And granted, Manchester City is almost definitely not the only team that's doing this, right? Very high possibility high possibility that at least a handful of teams just in England do the same thing, right? And we could probably bet on a bunch of other teams in Europe that might do something very similar. And, and um, it even came out in, in an athletic article about this that Manchester City have been keeping a very close eye on the other big, big clubs in Europe and how they're kind of um, reporting their revenues and whatnot. So very decent chance, too, that this arbitration hearing will turn into uh, Manchester City snitching on a lot of teams (laughs) and snitching on what they think other teams are doing, right? Um, This is the last stand, though. I think think this is more or less the last stand because if – this ban is completely overturned and Manchester City don't have to serve a ban at all and maybe they have to pay like a 
what are 40 million um, euro fine or something, then we might as well start the European Super League in like two years. Like, because it, it means that nothing matters. It means that it, it just means that none of this matters. It, ultimately. Right. Ultimately, it means that these big clubs can do whatever they want. And that ultimately is probably is not not probably that ultimately is not good for the sport it's not good for the game at all and so yes there's the one side here where oh yeah haha i'd love to see manchester city get banned that would be hilarious and stuff whatever but there's the other side of this too where if this is completely overturned then financial fair play is dead it's just completely dead why why would any team any club ever follow it because now the precedent will have been set that you can fib on these revenues or even do whatever Manchester City might have done and get away with it and now there's a court hearing that says you can get away with it and there's just there's almost no point in in playing under this facade of thinking that there's any chance there won't be a European Super League within even like a decade at that point if this gets completely upheld but to the second thing i i think obviously they're they're gonna put all their concentration into the champions league and i mean they were already gonna have all their concentration in it too but this is just a little bit more of a um it's a push. motivator it's a push, right yeah. yeah a bit more of a motivator they, they could become the first team to win the champions league and not be able to be in it the next season so I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, that's 100% true. I, so I guess at a high level, briefly, like my opinion is that this ban does get reduced. Um, I didn't realize what you meant by UEFA's last stand until you kind of explained it, but I get what you're saying now. Like, I think the, a one-year sentence is the perfect medium between too much, too far, and a loss of revenue for UEFA, quite frankly, and... You know, Manchester City fans don't even go to the Champions League games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't think I don't think UEFA themselves would miss Manchester City. No, at all. no, no, no. I, I, uh, I don't know. I think that they you they miss might have guarded. You miss the you, players. Yeah, the players, and I do right. think that there's a certain level of attraction from international right. the international market. But the the other point is, I think it's not too little of a sentence for UEFA to point to and say, we still did something about it, right? Which is the point that you were making. So I think a one-year sentence is probably what it'll end up getting reduced to, which is still, like, unprecedented. Like, like that's genuinely huge. Like, think about it. Like, think about it this way, right? We wake up tomorrow. um, Let's take Spain. Spain is banned from the World Cup in 2022. What is it? Yeah, 2022. What? (laughs) Like... That's insane, like, to even think about. And this is after, say they've, after they've qualified and everything. Like, that's the European equivalent of that. Or even, you know, a Portugal being banned from the Euros. Like, how does that yeah. even make sense? So you have to really massively screw up to, to be in City's position. And quite frankly, they probably financially have. Um, and they've outdone themselves. But, yeah, let's, let's turn our heads towards Real Madrid. They have nothing to lose. At this point, they will go all out for this game. And I think that this, in a way, in a very weird way, may be one of the best things that happened to them from a motivation standpoint, from a mental standpoint, um, to get that extra push. Because Madrid are not living a good moment right now in the last couple of weeks. So 
this is the ultimate test for them to see if they can capitalize on that and then bring it home to, to Manchester where they can try and put Madrid to the sword um, and leave them in La Liga as uh, the only potential you know trophy that they could win. Quite frankly, I think that tomorrow City actually get a win. I, I think it will be tough for, for them against a good defensive side but I also don't see a lot of flair in Madrid's attack outside of like we've seen a, pretty much the whole season Benzema and Benzema right now is also not living a good moment so Hazard's out for probably the rest of the season you have Isco who's fine um, good actually Valverde is fine <laughs> Isco is good um, and then Jovic and maybe James and, and that's kind of it all of whom are very inconsistent uh, right now so yeah, I'm actually. I would put money on City squeaking out a two-one win tomorrow, or something like that, and potentially knocking Real Madrid out in a couple of weeks' time. That's my prediction. Well, and and I th- I think this tie, particularly, I mean, even I'd say even before the UEFA ban, this tie from when it was drawn to now has become the most intriguing tie of this round right um just because of not only what's going on on the pitch but off of it right um and also because Real Madrid are for the most part up until the last you know 10 or so days have become a much better team in that time span right or a more cohesive team and a much more solid team we can we can see um we can see more of a cohesion between their players and uh, generally they're playing better as a team than, than they did at the beginning of December when this draw was made, right? So I I think I'm with you. I, I, I'm still going to make... I mean, if Hazard was able to come back, um, if he didn't get injured over uh, last weekend, if he was still kind of working his way back and there was... Um, hope that he'd be able to play in the second leg. I would have made Real Madrid. I was ready to give make Real Madrid the slight, not not heavy favorite, but slight decisive favorite. Um, but now I, Manchester City, like you said, this is this is their holy grail, and they're not the only club in this competition that you can say that for. It's them and like PSG, right? So. Um, no, Manchester City have the players. They're going to have Americ Laporte back. He's he's been back the last couple of weeks, and, and so they're they're more solid defensively on paper. I th- think they have more going. They do have more going forward than than Manchester than uh, Real Madrid. It's um, it, it, sh- it should be a fantastic match. I think we expected I'm that really no matter what. This, yeah. We expected that no matter what. But you know, it's just got the layers that it has now has made it the most interesting, uh, I think, Champions League tie in a couple years just just because of all that's going on around it and the weight of these next four weeks for Manchester City. Because if they're knocked out, I, I mean, they can't win the league. That's, that's gone. Um, they'll be in the League Cup final on Sunday and they're playing Aston Villa. We'll expect them to win that. Of course, it'll be their third... It'll If they win, it'll be their third straight League Cup title, which is oh, an accomplishment. Final? Yeah. Oh. The finals this week is this Sunday. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, you know, the, 
all they'll have is domestic tournaments and a huge, huge dark cloud hovering over them in the form of waiting to hear back on um, on how their uh, arbitration hearing goes. So these are the biggest four weeks, three or four weeks in this ownership's history, right? I'm not going to say in the club's history because obviously you know, the, the winning, winning, the, winning the title in 2012, like those, those weeks leading up to that were the that most. Might, that might take the case. But, but, but in terms of the ownership's history, this is the four like maybe most important weeks um, since since the Abu Dhabi group has taken over. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I expect big things from City uh, tomorrow and, and wish them the best of luck against an absolutely garbage organization, Real Madrid. So best of luck to City. But there is a team that, of course, I love that played today. Um, nearly nearly lost in, uh, in Naples today. Um, Barcelona and Napoli drawing 1-1, uh, of course, in Naples. But... Rian, this this game was so weird. I, I have to say, I did not actually get a chance to watch the first half. Um, I did look back at a lot of the comments and a lot of the uh, highlights from the first half, but they were genu- generally like I don't want to say outplayed in the first pla- in the first half, but they did not have any control. Barcelona in the in the first half, um, it was pretty much mainly Napoli um of course Mertens um scoring a just a regular goal um quite frankly like just just a just a regular absolute banger um but no he scored a wonderful goal a wonderful goal to to go up 1-0 um and I really felt when I saw that Napoli had scored um that this was the same thing over and over again that I've seen for the last 3 to 4 years Barcelona failing to do anything in away matches in the Champions League. Like, even in away matches in general, like, consistently we are so poor on the road, and I don't know what it is. Like, the mentality of this team is so weak sometimes. Actually, a lot of the times that it really makes me question the the mental fortitude of these players in big games, right? Other than maybe the Classico, which, of course, is a massive game, but, like, beyond that, uh, they just don't show up sometimes, and I don't know what it is. And this game was a perfect example of that with Griezmann being the only player outside of Messi since 2015 to score in an away Champions League game for Barcelona since Neymar in 2015, which is, absurd. which is absurd. I mean, that just goes to show you how, how poor they've been on the road. And so what are you left to do when you have a team that's messy and bums pretty much? That's, that's what I've said so many times. Um, you have to be able to, A, convert your chances and make chances away from home. Um, and B, you have to have a board that knows how to plan their management around, uh, uh, you know, around Lionel Messi, uh, which they have not done for about five years now. So, yeah, I, it's so disheartening to see this. And, the, and a huge reason why I don't think they're going to win the Champions League is because they can't get it done half the time. Half, half the time is the away leg. If you can't get it done the, in the away leg, then you're not going to get it done in, you know, getting to the final. So if we look, you know, kind of down the road to the second leg, which there's a small possibility I go to actually, I'll be in Europe at this time. Um, I, I think they win at home, but I'm not excited for the next round if they do make it through, because quite frankly, it, it's an exciting team with Kike Setien, but it's not, 
it's not a strong team. Like they're missing key players through injury, plus the fact that they are so bad away from home. So, right. I mean, I think we started to see some encouraging signs, like you said, at home. Right? I mean, in this past weekend, it had Messi going off. Yeah, I mean, just doing doing what he's been doing the well for his whole career, but especially with this Barcelona team, the last couple years where he is the difference a lot of the time, um, because a lot of the time they, um, as I said on Twitter, they are like the first LeBron era for the Cavaliers where. It was just slop around him. This is not quite the same level because Anton Griezmann's not not slop, but but everyone that's pl- around Messi for a lot of this season and definitely in the Champions League last season, um, just not good enough. And he's the difference in just about every game, the same way that LeBron James was for the Cavaliers, and actually pretty much every season that he was ever on the Cavaliers, but Messi is having to carry them as we just keep seeing and lamenting for, for the rest of the players, but they're going back to the new camp. I think we both think it's, they're going to be favored. They're going to be favored, so they should make it through, and I understand where you're coming from with the, it's not going to make, it's not going to necessarily give you confidence, because They'll be they'll be heavily favored to win the game, um, and the new camp is still very hard place for most team, for a lot of teams to play. Just about every team in the world to play at. Right? Um, even Liverpool last season, like we saw, had a very tough time playing there. Um, it's like you said, going forward, we don't feel any confidence in the mentality of the team, um, in even some sort of consistency in the lineups, right? Uh, we have no clue what their best 11 is. And uh, granted, a lot of that hinges on, you know, no Luis Suarez um, and, you know, Usman Dembele banishing himself to the shadow realm with, <laughs> with, with his injuries. <laughs> and it's like, just, I just don't oh, even... That's so brutal. Uh, but, but, you know, a lot of it falls in that. Um, and Obviously, they're not going to be able to go into like a round uh, Champions League quarterfinal and rely on a 17-year-old Ansu Fati, right? And and just expect that he's gonna that that he's gonna be the difference when the other um, team is focusing very heavily on Griezmann and Messi, right? So we we don't know what their best eleven is right now, and I'm not sure Kike Setien knows either. Uh, that's where we're both thinking, you know, yeah, they, we expect them to make it through this tie because just because they're a better team than Napoli right now, like they just are. Um, but we don't feel any sort of fit that they're, are, are they going to be able to go into like the Allianz Arena in Bayern in Munich? Are, are they going to be able to go to, if they had to, go to Anfield again? Like, stop. Stop. <laughs> please stop. We, we have no faith that they'll be able to go into those environments against much, much better teams. I mean, not to, not to shit on Napoli, but better teams, like the best teams in Europe, right. and get a result, right? So it's... Again, we expect them to make it through, but they have done nothing still to change our perception of them and and even 
to put fear into some into like the top clubs in Europe right now when they do end up coming up against them. Yeah, they're not they're not exactly the team that instills fear in anyone right now in Europe. Um, they have a player that instills that, fear. That's exactly that's yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. They have one player that does, it, and it's a lot. Like, granted, it is a lot, but it's not enough to win the Champions. League. It no. just isn't. Like, you need a full team effort and. Bless Setien's soul. He's trying his best with the team he has, and quite frankly, he's put together some pretty good football with what he has. But he just doesn't have a lot, and I blame the board for that. It's just bad management. Like, there's no way of getting around the fact that we sold off or loaned off three or four of our young, you know, prodigies essentially that were looking at first team football, um, and now they're not here to help out. Like, whose fault is that? It's not Kike Setien's. It's just bad management. But God, we need elections this summer for the board, but hopefully, hopefully the club can get together and the associates can can do that. But um, yeah, I, I I would put money on Barcelona going through to the next round, but after that, depending on who they get, quarters might be it. I genuinely think I genuinely think the quarters might be it. So um, yeah, and good luck. The other team that definitely won't be going through the quarters will be Chelsea, and I can pretty confidently say that. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Are, are you gonna... the team that starts Ross Barkley <laughs> is not gonna win the Champions League this season? You're, I mean, You're joking. I mean... <laughs> You're kidding. No way. No way. Before Before we started this part two, uh, Rian told me how proud he was of his Ross Barkley tweet. Uh, if you have not gone and seen it, go and check it out on Twitter at this is Rian, um, and uh, you'll be able to see it. But I feel like Ross ba- Barkley is your Rakitic, like for what well, Rakitic is for me. So what I mean, like, what happened in this game, including Ross Barkley, which which is what happened. Yeah, I mean, not to not to get it wasn't completely Ross Barkley's fault. This this game was not completely Ross Barkley's fault. I do I want to start by saying that Bayern are just levels levels ahead of Chelsea at this moment right now. It's not not even not necessarily on form, which which obviously yes on form. Um, Chelsea have won one of their last six home matches in the Champions League, so that's not great. But even this season, they only won one of their home matches in the Champions League. The problem with the, what happened today is that. Chelsea basically went into this match with knives. And Bayern went into this match with, like, eight atomic bombs. <laughs> and that was the fight that we, got, we went into here. Um, they were just so fucking efficient with their chances. I mean, the, fir- the first half... Um, there were definitely a couple times that that Bayern probably should have scored, but at the same time, Chelsea found some joy by just by pressing high and, and dispossessing Bayern a few times. And the difference was in the second half that Bayern didn't have a mistake on it when they got into the final third, right? And and the couple times that Chelsea did get into good positions. They couldn't execute on the last part. The execution from Bayern is just deadly. And, and 
very similar to what we saw in their game against Tottenham, right? They're with just about every attack. When they got into a good position, they were doing one of two things, playing the exact right pass at the perfect time or executing on their shot perfectly into a corner, away from the goalkeeper, whatever it might be, right? And in this game, just the first goal is a perfect um, perfect analogy, a perfect example of that there, is they win the ball high up. They, again, like I said, pressing, a high press and energy is the currency of success right now in European football. They pressed very high. Chelsea tried to do the same, but just not as good at getting out of it as Bayern are with the likes of Thiago and Joshua Kimmich and I'll have nightmares about Alfonso Davies. But um, but the first goal comes from Lewandowski getting played in into a position where I'm watching it and I'm sure every single person in the stadium, including probably the players on the field, expect him to shoot. But instead, he plays a perfect ball across to Gnabry, who's running, who's running oh, in. Lewandowski, right? No, Lewandowski played the ball in oh, to, to, oh, to right. Gnabry. Right, right. Um, Lewandowski plays into Gnabry, who's sprinting in from midfield and Who's gonna catch him when he if he's running like like he, who's catch who's catching him if he, when he's running in like that? But um, plays it perfectly into him and, and he scores and and I was watching it and I was like I, was, I, I actually was I, my eyebrows went up because I was like I cannot believe he I did not expect Lewandowski to pass the ball at all there but he just played it perfectly back to Gnabry who, who finished it. Um, and then, I mean, the rest were a wonderful counter by by Bayern on the second goal. Um, again, catching Chelsea in possession from the midfield and breaking so fast with uh, Gnabry and Lewandowski again. And Lewandowski got a second assist on that. And it was all rounded off by the, I think, possible who could be player of the match, they, they, they could pick between any of him, Lewandowski, or, or Gnabry, really, but um, Alfonso Davies, the 20-year-old Canadian, uh, playing left back for them, but has played left wing for Bayern um, when he first broke into the first team. Um, player came from the MLS, came from Montreal, from Montreal Impact, uh, and has been one of Bayern's best players ever since they moved into left back. So the last three months, he's been one of their best players. There's a very good possibility that he gets voted their player of the year. He was impossible to handle. For it was the, the pace is really not fair, but on top of the pace, he's also big and strong, too. The, the couple times that Chelsea got in behind. They got in behind Bayern a few times, and I, I know Elias and I were texting about this a bit where he and I disagreed on how good we thought Bayern were. I think attacking-wise and their midfield being, their midfield one of the probably five best in the in Europe. I think their attack is top two or three. I think they're one, I think they are currently one of 
the three best teams, um, or at least three scariest teams, maybe, is how I should rephrase it, But in, in Europe. But they're defensively, they're very vulnerable. I, I think Chelsea just is not good enough up top in terms of their execution right now, so they couldn't make them pay. But the couple times they did get behind on, on Davies' side, twice Mason Mount is something like 15 to 20 yards ahead of him, just about to, and just within, say, like 10 yards of the opposition's 18, and Davies just sprints back, and he, and he wins it every time because he's just so much quicker than anyone else on the pitch. And you saw it with the third goal, too. Um, he plays a 1-2 with Gnabry, just completely dusts Reese James for pace. And Reese James is very strong. He's not necessarily the fastest, he but, strong, but he's though, very yeah. strong. And Davis was just stronger than him, able to kind of shove him off and just run past him. And uh, Christensen goes in to try to, to try to just take out Davies, and Davies chips it over him on a slide tackle and lays it on a platter for Lewandowski. And he was doing it all day. All day, every time Chelsea got anywhere close to Davies, he was just flicking the ball past him and running past because he's because he can do that and, and he's a gem he's it's it's an absolute gem they got him for less than five million dollars from Montreal so the bar you talk about bargains we talked about bargains with obviously early Holland yeah massive bar- bargain of course but you have to throw out some um some praise for Byron to to make that fine too they to get someone from the Montreal impact and now he's become their lockdown first choice left back not just because of what he can do defensively but because he is such a modern fullback right now right um and yeah like I said the Chelsea's they're not good enough right now they're just not they're just not on that level and it goes back again to what I'm saying about the difference in quality of the leagues right now you have Bayern there's something to be said. This Bayern team, while they may not be talent-wise as good as the teams that played under Pep Guardiola, right? They're not. I don't think they're as talented as um, those teams, especially defensively. This team has to put far more effort week in and week out than those teams did because those teams were winning the league by March. In every season, in every season that that yeah. Guardiola was a coach, they won the league by March, and they couldn't quite get over the finish line to get to Champions League finals in those seasons. And that's not discredit to Guardiola. That's not necessarily discredit to the players, but it just is what it is. The league was not very competitive for them, so it's really hard to just turn it on in the Champions League. It's tur- it's really hard to turn it on against the best teams in the world Um, like I was saying with Liverpool earlier right so the reason why I think this Bayern team has about as good a chance as probably since they won the Champions League in 2013 is because week in and week out they can't drop points because they have Leipzig and Dortmund on their ass in the league and it might mean losing the Bundesliga if they drop points so they're in this mentality now where the intensity going into every game, they're so sharp and they're and they can't let up in any competition. 
And that is ultimately a good thing. I, I think that was something that was definitely a good thing for Liverpool last season, knowing that they had to keep winning to keep up with Manchester City every week. And that definitely bled into the Champions League where they came into that they come into a game where they absolutely have to win and they and their intensity is always at that level, but they just they can take it to another. You can take it to another when you absolutely need it. And you know, the there's just has to be a lot to be said to having the constant competition of not feeling comfortable in your domestic league. And I think this season will we're still very early in the knockout round, so I'm not going to say right now that oh Liverpool definitely won't win the league or what or or definitely won't win the Champions League or Manchester City definitely won't win the Champions League. But it is something to look at going forward when they do come up against another team that is maybe maybe their third in the Bundesliga. Being third in the Bundesliga is means a lot more than being second in in yeah. the Premier League this season. Right, it, it, right. It's, you're you're getting tested a lot more. Yeah. No, that's so. You make a good case. <laughs> you make a very, very valid case. I, I do think that there are still teams comprehensively that are better than Bayern Munich in in Europe. Um, I named them. I think Madrid on their day are better. I think PSG on their day are better. I think Liverpool on their day are better. And I think City on their day are better than Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich and the league have been extremely inconsistent, right? We know that. And that hasn't changed over seven months. So I have no reason to believe that that is going to change over the next two to three months between now and the end of the season. That translates over to Europe, right? In some ways, obviously not today, clearly not today, but in a lot of ways, those performances certainly, it's kind of like a hangover, right? It it, it makes its way to Europe, and at some point, I think they're going to run into a roadblock. It's not going to be with this Chelsea team, and it may not even be in the quarterfinals, but at some point, I think they're going to meet a a team, one of those four, that is better than them, and they will show extreme weaknesses in both um, their defending um, and midfield's good um, but in between the middle and the back line I think that they just have a lot of cracks that can be exposed by just pure quality right. and I think that's what they have to worry about they're, they're a good team that's why they're still at the top of the Bundesliga or near the top I should say but they're, they're still not in my opinion a top two to three team you know, unequivocally, for sure. Um, but, they, yeah, they, they have a shot. They, they definitely have a shot at both the Bundesliga as well as um, the Champions League. So we'll see if they actually capitalize on it. Yeah. And just to try to talk some of the Chelsea fans off the ledge from that one, uh, it's going to be hard because... As I said to Elias before we started recording, Frank Lampard came out after the game and said that Mateo Kovacic was the only player on the field for Chelsea that had that showed the quality and personality to play in the Champions League, pretty much. Um, and if you watch the game, that was not very false at all. Um, it's just the, the the players are not good enough. I I personally am not going to get too down from this result because I didn't expect uh, granted I, I didn't expect them to lose 3-0 but when you when you watch the game the there is not a single player that was on the field for Chelsea 
that you would consider as world class right now. And on Bayern, I could have. I mean, Alfonso Davies, I wouldn't say that necessarily he considered world-class, but he played at a world-class level today. And Lewandowski's obviously world-class. Serge Gnabry has shown that at least when he's in London, he's world-class. And, uh, and you know, they're just they're a better team. They're a more experienced team, a more of a finished product. And it, you couldn't have expected a lot from this game you didn't expect to go to for it to go this poorly but if you're a Chelsea fan but I, I the most important thing for Chelsea this season is getting into the Champions League next year and that's pretty much all that matters and, and it's we know it's a rebuilding year but the thing that matters most is getting fourth or maybe maybe fifth will end up being fine too depending on <laughs> depending on Manchester City but um yeah, you're yeah. praying for that. So, I do think, in one way or another, I think somehow Chelsea find their way to the Champions League. I can't believe I'm saying that, but for next year, I do think that they they don't stroll their way there, but they they make it. I think we'll probably it's, see them. It's impossible for just about any team in England right now to stroll for like even two weeks. Right, right. That's not going to happen for anyone. But I think Chelsea do actually have. The quality, I think they have the quality for. It. I don't know if they have the consistency, but they certainly have the quality. Um, so we'll see what happens with them in uh, the domestic league. But the last game that we do want to touch on is the last game um, that will take place tomorrow. Um, Leon against Juve, Juve, a team that has essentially relied on Ronaldo's goals, as most teams that Ronaldo has played for um, have relied on. Um, they're not Juve aren't sparkling this year they're not you know the team of whatever it was two three years ago when they made it uh, was it two three years ago when they made it to the the, to the final yeah. right yeah so they're not that team and even domestically they're not they're being outshined by Lazio essentially um, he's having a wonderful season I mean they're having a an unreal season. Lazio hasn't lost in 15, 15 straight Serie A games, so so you have to give them credit too. Right, but. right. So I mean, that one hundred percent give Lazio credit, but yeah, they have a relatively comfortable tie, not an easy tie, right. but they have a comfortable tie comparative exactly. to what they could they could have. So Leon is without their best player, Memphis Depay, exactly. Torn ACL out for the season, so they've got they've gotten the easiest tie of it. Anyone, yeah. um, maybe maybe outside of Atalanta, but um, but uh, the, no, they're they're there's obviously still they haven't quite we haven't seen sorry ball really the real version of since Napoli it, it's it's really tough to say now I, I'm. Juve are playing a lot like Chelsea played last season, but the difference was, difference is really that Juve just have a higher quality of players in their team. Um, where you know, in a similar sense, Ronaldo like and Hazard last season doesn't do the sorry stuff because he really doesn't need to slash shouldn't slash he's too good for you to try to actually put them in some kind of cage into your system, right? But Ronaldo is doing that version of it this season. And he, at 35, he's just scored 
this past weekend, 11 straight Serie A appearances he scored in matching the record. So he could break it this weekend against yeah. against Inter yeah. in a massive game, Inter and Juve, on, on Sunday, same day as the Classico, which Sunday will be an well, unbelievable day for European football. But they're not the most impressive team in Europe right now, but we know they have the experience. Um, we know that they have the quality of players to go far in this competition. It's really going to be the next couple rounds where they're going to need also the obvious, well, not obvious, but the very clear plan of going, of playing, the very clear plan of creating chances because they don't create as many chances as they should for the type of team that they have. So, I mean, I'm really interested to see them come up against another club that is of their quality because that is when, unfortunately for Mitchell Osari, he will be put under a very, very heavy light because he was brought in to change the style of Juve in the past because just to be so the club could be perceived in it, maybe because the club wanted to be perceived in a different way, but also to bring some attractive football to the team. And they haven't really shown that much, even though they are tied for the lead in, in Serie A right now. But, I mean, we expect them to go through against Leon again. Leon, who didn't even who didn't finish first in their group, and then their best player is now out for the rest of the year. There, it's going to take a lot for them to to get for them to get past Juve, but again, another team where we're looking further ahead past this round because we expect them to get through, but also we think things will get far tougher for them um, and expose some things that we're seeing already um, in a tougher tie. I don't really have much to add here. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think the TLDR is that we expect Juve to go through, certainly over two legs. I'm very curious to see who Juve start, though. That's that's the thing that I think is very, very crucial here, especially because they have such an important game at the weekend against Inter. I don't actually know if they're going to go with a full starting 11. Like, they're gala 11, yeah, if you they will. They technically won't need to. They, they, I mean, in theory, on paper, they don't need to, but I'm very curious as to what Sari is prioritizing. That's the one thing that I would add. Um, whether it's his league play in, uh, against Inter at the weekend, or it's against, you know, Leon in the Champions League, a competition that they have not won. Um, have they ever won? I think they have. I think they have, uh, uh, I think it was over like 20 years ago, but like, yeah. Um, so I'm very curious to see what he prioritizes. That will give us, I think, a lot uh, better insight into exactly what Juve's priorities are this season because Serie A is, is pretty much just as difficult as the Bundesliga this season. So um, that is what I'm looking for tomorrow. I think Juve go through over two legs. I think that's straightforward. Um, and I cannot wait for the quarterfinals because if everything works out on paper the way it should, there are going to be some really, really good ties in the quarterfinals. So um, that I can't wait for. And the Champions League is only going to get... I mean, it, it, always it, does. It's, it always really, it sounds really dumb to say it's only going to get better, but but the way that things are shaping up right now, we are we're going to get the 
eight, probably the eight best teams. We are really going to get the eight best teams in Europe. We, we, there might be, there will be some argument, obviously, Manchester City and Real Madrid coming up against each other. You know, that, that obviously will make things maybe a little more contentious of whether we're getting exactly the eight best teams, but we're going to get absolutely the best teams in Europe. There, there's no room for Cinderella this season. It, it just doesn't look like it. Yeah, unless it's Atalanta, um, but yeah, that's no, yeah, that's, that, true, that's, that's true. the only Actually, possibility, yeah, no. yeah, that I can think of. So, um, with that, I think that kind of wraps up the the Champions League part of things. Um, Rian and I unfortunately are going to be able to watch the Clasico together this weekend. I have decided to just fly out of the state <laughs> for the weekend. Um, that I just I did not plan that right, but next Clasico. I guarantee you we'll watch. So um, with that, we will come back to you guys next week with some more um, European content. I almost said spicy European content, but that just would have been, that would have been a major yikes. (laughs) Um, So I, I said it, so I guess it is a pretty major yikes. But anyway, we will talk to you guys next week. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys.